The Chicago Bears snap a four-game losing streak as they beat the Detroit Lions 20-13 at home in Soldier Field. I bring on Over the Caps' Brad Spielberger to talk through the game on this episode of Bear With Me. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, where folks like me, Robert Schmitz, are working hard to bring you the best content that we can on a week-to-week basis. It's kind of wild, too, because if I've counted correctly, I think this is the 40th episode, and the fact that y'all have listened to me talk to you about Bears football for now 40 different episodes is a little wild to me, but hey, that's the extra great present that I can give you on this 40th episode is that we are talking about a Bears win. And that means we've got a lot more positives to talk about than usual, because let's be honest, usually it's all negatives. Today, I have brought on a very special friend of mine, a wonderful guest that brings a knowledge that I just flat out don't have. And that's wonderful cap stuff. We've got Brad Spielberger from the Blitznet with us. Brad, how are you doing today? Doing well, Robert. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I remember doing an interview a very long time ago. Uh, was when you, I think it was your first. I don't know if it, it was. was. Bear with me. Was it this podcast? Yeah, it was. It was all my right, first so. guest spot on Bear With Me. There you go. So it all comes full circle. Happy to be here. Absolutely. And happy to have you. And we get to talk about a game, this Bears-Lions victory in Soldier Field against Jeff Driscoll, where the Bears won a game 20-13. to But I got to be honest, Brad, was an, I mean, it was almost a sad football game to watch. I don't know how you felt. And granted, Bears fans, we are going to be more positive than usual. But I have to start by at least giving you the skinny on how it felt. This was a Bears win that almost felt exactly the same as their losses to me. And I can't quite put my finger on why. How did you feel about the game? Yeah, the first half, I mean, it was the same as the Eagles' first half because they pretty much didn't do anything uh, uh, for about, what, 29 minutes, uh, you know, until the end there. So, I mean, I think that's a fair feeling to have. There was just no consistency. I want to say four, three and outs in their first five drives probably. Um so, yeah, and it's Jeff Driscoll. So, I mean, I, I think when the defense is getting stops, it's not really exciting you when it's Jeff Driscoll just because it's kind of expected. Uh, so, you know, it was just there weren't really a lot of things to be excited about for the first, you know, seriously, 28 minutes of game time. Um, so, I mean, that's – but it, it, it did turn up. I mean, there's no denying that. I guess that's exactly right. I mean, we're looking at a final score here of 13 to 20, but then I look at the yardage totals and I just pulled them up and the Jeff Driscoll led Lions outgained the Bears 357 yards to 226. Now the Bears obviously turned that 226 yards into 20 points, which, you know, not bad. But it really did feel like the Lions were running up and down the field pretty much all game long, except for when all of a sudden they weren't able to turn them into points. Now, I'm not too upset about that. Not especially when we had heroic performances from guys like Nick Kutowski, who stepped in for Danny Trevathan. And I don't know about you, Brad, but when Danny went down... I oh my goodness the the breath left my lungs I mean that's a huge player for the Bears this year and Kwiatkowski stepped in and I'm goodness I don't think you could have played better in uh, in limited action what did you think Yeah uh, I mean Trevathan's been one of the captains of this defense all year uh, There's no debate about that He's a leader on this team He's a really important player When Roquan was was struggling a bit and, and he played really well today as well um, But you know, Trevathan was definitely stepping up. But Kwiatkowski, he did it uh, in the last time he, he came in in relief. He had a sack, I think, and maybe even a pick as well. Uh, I think he did kind of get exposed in the second game. Uh, so I, I would say, but he did look phenomenal today. I think he had about 10 tackles. Uh, what do you have, a sack and a pick. Um, but he's definitely going to need to keep playing because I don't know if you saw the video of Trevathan. But that elbow of his is definitely broken, I think. Yikes. And what's wild about Kwiatkowski, and this is this is the total roller coaster that is trying to follow the NFL preseason. I remember for the first couple of games, uh, the first two, in fact, I thought Kwiatkowski was going to be a cut candidate. I mean, he was getting roped up and down the field, especially on those over-the-middle balls. That first preseason game had a couple of them that were just short balls that Kwiatkowski just couldn't match feet with and ended up running up the field for 12, 15-yard gains. And then all of a sudden, we had 
had that third preseason game against the Colts, and he was everywhere, annihilating offensive linemen, making big plays, very similar to the uh, to the game that we saw, like you mentioned. I believe it was, was it the same? I can't remember the game that he came in for the Bears. But today, what I thought was hilarious, because I remember by the end of the preseason, I remember what I was going to say now, uh, I remember thinking that Kwiatkowski actually made a lot of sense as a direct backup for specifically Danny Trevathan. That it, you sure you could play Trevathan next to uh, Kwiatkowski, but given that Trevathan often plays that Mike linebacker, that hit first linebacker role, that Roquan Smith, let's be real, he can't play it. He's just a bit too small, and that's not a problem given how fast he is. Kwiatkowski today stepped in with Roquan Smith, and he did his usual thing where he keeps Roquan clean. He spied the quarterback. He hit hard with the offensive lineman, and I got to tell you, it felt like just desserts watching Kwiatkowski, of all people, be the guy to pick off a pass there in the middle of the game. I mean, it just it just felt like one of those things where the stars aligned for the young linebacker, and that was just fun to watch. I'm sure he'll remember this game for the rest of his life. Yeah, absolutely. It was a huge performance. He was everywhere. I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head overall there. So he, he is a bit of a – he struggles a bit in coverage. So it does make sense for him to fill in for Trevathan and let Roquan continue to be the roaming backer. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's huge. Uh, there was – there's pictures of him. I think the reason why there was some hype, like he, he's a big dude. And so he was throwing, he throws offensive linemen around on delay blitz of the middle. He is getting through with regularity. So he, he definitely brings some interesting you know aspects to this defense, but coverage is where you're going to get, get him exposed a bit. And, and I think that's definitely what happened. I could be referring to 2018 too. I know you were trying to think of what I was referring to. He maybe last year he filled in for a couple games. Um, and, and the first game he looked good. And then he kind of got exposed a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that we could always go back to that week one Packers game where Roquan Smith wasn't quite ready yet. Uh, That was a nasty one. But you mentioned the word exposed, and I want to use that as our segue because, Brad, I got to talk to you about this, uh, this problem we have called the pass rush where we have Khalil Mack really expensive asset and let's be real okay so next to Khalil Mack right now we have Leonard Floyd I actually as I was leading into this I forgot he was there which only makes it worse uh the only person we're really missing on this defensive line right now is Akeem Hicks who granted I love Akeem Hicks I've gotten in trouble before you may hate this but I'm gonna say it again I still think Akeem Hicks is the heartbeat of this whole front seven uh, it's. I don't think it is Khalil Mack because Akeem Hicks allows you to basically cheat code against the run. He can let you play what is effectively like a 2-4 and stop everything, not to mention he'll pressure the passer. But what in the world do you think is going on with this utter lack of pass rush? And from and especially from a cap perspective, see if you can weave that in. What do you think the Bears ought to do going forward? Yeah, so I think overall, uh, quick outs has been the from the opposing quarterback has been a, a big part of it. Uh, Wentz last week, I want to say it was somewhere around two point three one. Their entire offense was designed wow. on getting the ball out quickly. It's the same thing they did in the playoff game to an extent. Uh, that game, I think it was a bit more of the, the offensive line really just beating uh, you know the Bears pass rush, but. Lions, O-line's decent. Um, they were also, though. I mean, Driscoll was, was getting the ball out quickly because it was short. You know, he wasn't throwing the ball very far down the field. And, and they were running the ball decently well, getting six, seven yards, you know, getting chunk plays. So, I, I mean, I think it's still there. The pressures are there. Maybe the sacks just aren't, aren't finishing. But, what, Nick Williams had a sack today. Um, that was neat. Yeah, he has six now. I want to say he leads the team. So, he, he's been really good. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they have so many pieces there. Yeah, but I, but I agree – Strongly about the Akeem Hicks point. Um, I mean, he's so huge in both pass and run. And versatility, uh, I think I'm realizing more and more, is, is really how you become a dominant and you know impactful player. And so, uh, yeah, I think they'll come. I think the sacks will come and the pressure will be more evident. Um, I did say today, uh, and this is me tying in the, the cap perspective. So I did say today, Floyd had three pressures in, in the last five or six Lions uh, dropbacks. So... I mean, the game probably shouldn't have been where it was. You know, uh, you know, I'm sitting there being like, I should, this guy shouldn't be a hero. This game shouldn't be 2013. But uh, he did. He he got in Driscoll's face or kind of forced Driscoll to leave the pocket on three out of the last like five dropbacks. So, I mean, that's earning your keep right there. Like that that made me really happy to see. Um, but that is the one cap thing that I tweeted at the deadline. Um, you know, people didn't love is that it's tough to pay one position. You know. I don't really care how good you are. It's tough to pay one position 
a ton of money, like, like $40 million plus dollars uh, a year in, in APY. And, I mean, you have Mac there making $20-plus million a year. They've restructured his contract, so there's more bonus money pushed out further. Like Leonard is a is a good player. Like I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a bad player at all. I said in the tweet the reason why I would look into it is because he has value because I think he's a good player. Um, he's more of a run run stopping guy, but but he he can get after the quarterback on occasion. He's streaky, but but yeah, I don't know. I don't want to go on, but so that that's kind of my thinking there. I think that makes sense. I mean, you I I agree with you, especially when you've got somebody like Leonard Floyd that if he walks off the team, you're probably looking at a very high compensatory pick. It's hard not to pay somebody like Leonard Floyd a whole lot of money. If you trade him, you could probably get legitimate value back for him, especially given that you would theoretically be doing the hockey style trade somebody so that he can be re-signed with a specific team, not to mention maybe you're trading him on his fifth-year option. But anyways, that's much more for a cap conversation. I just agree with you in general that it's hard to keep Leonard Floyd. Now, uh, before we bounce on to some other game, ah, no, we got to talk about game things. We'll talk about other stuff at the end. Uh, I I am impressed... uh, I'm fairly impressed this year with what Buster Screen's been doing. I did not expect yes. the level of play that we've been getting out of him. And I mean, heck, I was one of the people that was actually kind of high on him, but I didn't think he would look like how he's been for the Bears. And that has been a very, very nice surprise, given that he was signed for what most people would have called way more money than he was worth coming into this season. Now the deal's looking a little bit more palatable. And the only complaint that I really have is that I wish I'm, I'm about done given the lack of pressure that the bears have been getting with Pagano's let's drop all of our corners into a deep zone and open up entire sections of the field where guys can run and end up wide open within 10 yards of space, any direction. But curious to hear what you think about the defensive backfield after today. Yeah, so, well, really quick, because I'll talk more about the defensive backfield. To the Pagano point, he has been dropping guys a lot and kind of doing bend, don't break, which I don't love, but, uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to fault just looking how it went today. But um, uh, Scry has been a, a pleasant surprise. Um, I I mean, statistically, he just – I do remember you saying, watching some tape, like he could do some things. I think, you know, for me, you know, I'm a stats guy, and I just – I you know, they, they're not pretty. They weren't pretty coming into the um, – but I mean, it was it was a, a decent. I mean, now it looks like a, a great signing. Um, yeah, he he's been consistently solid. Uh, he uh, I mean, a couple of guys. Uh, who's a guy I really? Tr- uh, he's a Windy City guy. Uh, EJ uh, Draftsman. Uh, he's, yeah, he's been playing well pretty much every game, and consistency is important. Um, so yeah, uh, and Haha was good again today as well. Uh, has been good. Um, no, their, their free agency on D, on the defensive side of the ball coming into this year was was very good. Um, I mean, a haha deal was a steal, and, and the scry, I wouldn't call a scry deal a steal, but it was a it was a good signing. Uh, probably, I would say at the, at an adequate price. Maybe people thought it was overpaid, but it, it was a fair deal. Uh, and, and again, this has nothing to do with scrying, but of course, Callahan is, is still injured and has not played yet. So. <laughs> to be specific, when I talk about what Pagano's Ben Note break is doing, the only frustration that I have right now is that the Bears seem to be playing this hybrid zone thing where what they'll do is, whereas last year they used to basically have their corners in some form of man-to-man coverage, whether it was often they did a split man-to-man where they would have Amukamura play press and they would have Fuller play off exactly like almost every single down for crying out loud uh mm-hmm. whereas this year they have they tend to blitz someone and whenever they do that they have a mukamura drop back into a cover three setup or they'll do it with fuller and what that'll do is that'll open up this big open side of the field where that corner normally is and now mm-hmm. they're not uh that's the only complaint because that entire scheme is set up around getting pressure. If you do get pressure, then that deep zone doesn't matter because the quarterback has already gotten hit by the time yeah. that he would get the ball out. But we're not getting that pressure. And now so so then we're even seeing and you saw this in the first quarter. You saw this in, I believe, the third quarter. Again, we're seeing guys like Jeff Driscoll making really solid like 20 yard passes to guys with no one near them. And that's that's entirely because of uh, this this cover three setup. It's the one play in Pagano's playbook that I get where he's coming from. Maybe I'd change it, but that's picking nits. I am not a defensive coach. Uh, and speaking as of, you run it more 
or <laughs> since the Akeem Hicks injury? He's run it uh, pretty much consistently throughout the season. Credit okay. To, okay. credit to Chuck Pagano. He has been consistent in a classic players coach setup. He said, "Nah, we're good with Akeem getting injured. We're still the same defense." And he's okay. run the same defense. Now, I think that some of the Bears' biggest gains this year have come off of this exact play. Uh, but at the same time, it's also a blitz. It's basically like a blitz idea. And so I see that there's not a ton of great coverage options you have in the face of a blitz. But right. at the same time, let me be really honest with you, Brad. Uh, Prince of Mukamura is not his own corner. And I would just no, to no. stop making him a zone corner. Yeah, I, I remember him giving up a completion today in zone. No, he needs to play press man. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, 99% of the time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Another ball went over his head uh, into the hands of, a, I think, Keenan Allen against the Chargers. But okay. again, now we're now we're harping on a point that yeah, we don't yeah. need to. And yeah, I yeah. can't believe this, Brad. We've gone an entire 15 minutes now and we haven't talked about the offense yet. And I got to tell you, I'm impressed because I think that not enough. I think not enough people around the Bears Twitter circuit are talking about the defense right now. So I like to hope we've given them their due. But of course, you better you better believe we've got to go back to the offense. And no, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. one thing that I think is so funny and because I swear it is the argument that will not die and I can't stand talking about it anymore. And I talked about it with Lester. Uh, I talked about it with EJ. And now I'll talk about it with you. We've got this chicken or egg argument that seems to just never, never end all across Bears Twitter about who is the source of the offense's problems. Is it Matt Nagy or is it Mitchell Trubisky? Now, I keep or I am somebody who's been pretty consistent throughout. I do think that a lot of the problems fall on Mitchell Trubisky. But I'll tell you what, today was a funny day to say that because Trubisky made some throws today that he has not only not made in his entire career, but frankly, if he had made more of a habit of them, I don't think I'd be as upset with him as I am. I mean, that throw he made back or off his back foot to Allen Robinson was one of the best throws I think I've ever seen him make, let yep. alone the touch throw to Broniker in the corner. That really nice ball he had to. I don't even know if it was man coverage uh, with Taylor Gabriel for the touchdown. That was great. I mean, in a Washington game compared to the three touchdown Washington game that saw Mitch, quote unquote, earn one touchdown and Nagy scheme open two more. Mitch threw all three of these touchdown passes and I could make whatever uh, garbage claim about. Ah, but these guys were schemed open and, you know, maybe another day. But to give Mitch credit where credit is due, those were solid throws. And if he had done that more often this season, I don't think we'd be now four and five. Do you? Yeah. Uh, no, no, I do not. I was sitting here being like, oh, don't nitpick. But the three Cohen throw, I think you and I could have made. But um, <laughs> on a touchdown. I but guess no, you right. no, But he made a bunch of uh, uh, really nice throws. I mean, the, no, the A-Rob throw was seriously one, one of the best throws I've seen him make in his career. Um, I mean, just a back foot, which usually takes, takes Aaron out of the ball. And he had plenty of air underneath it. Um, it was, you know, laid out nicely in front of A-Rob. And then, yeah, we talked pre-show, but the touch ball to Broniker, you know, I said to you, the reason why I loved it is it was an anticipation throw. I mean, he was throwing to a spot, not to a player. Um, and that is the thing that we're not seeing. And that's when I panic and when I freak out, it, it's stuff like that. Because when, when a guy, when you can only throw once a guy is open, in the NFL, once a guy is open, he's covered, if you, if you know what I mean. Like, once a guy is open, he's no longer open. So, like, when he's throwing guys open or throwing, you know, anticipatorily, that's not a word. Like, that, that's what you're looking now. for. It is now. So, like, and that, like, I was here, like, that was, yeah, the Taylor Gabriel throw. I mean, he was open, but it was, like, I think it may have been a busted route almost. And I think he just kind of let it, like, let it to a spot. Like, it was, yeah, he, he, looked, he looked good at, at times in the second half. Like, that is fair to say. But, again, the Lions defense is not good. Oh, no. And I'll brag on Matt Nagy for a second talking about that Taylor Gabriel route. That is a classic Nagy concept. And it's not to say that Nagy is the only one who does this, because if he is, I mean, the rest of the NFL is slacking. So let me just go ahead and let you, remind you, this, this is not new. 
But Nagy does a great job of mixing in these deep routes where, if you remember the play, uh, Allen Robinson is actually coming open along the left side and Taylor Gabriel is splitting out right on the right side. So what you end up with is a safety who's caught in a no-win situation where if he pays attention to Allen Robinson, he can't cover Gabriel. If he tries to make it to Gabriel, he can't cover Robinson. And Gabriel's corner played it like it was an inside post, and so he just got hosed when Gabriel turned around and was and, and ended up just totally Scott open, but uh, or Scott free wide open. That's a <laughs> anyways. Uh, that, and I and I want to credit Mitch for hitting the throw. I mean, hey, Mitch has missed some wide open opportunities, and I've killed him for missing wide open opportunities, and those were open. And he converted on those wide open opportunities. And let's be real, Brad, we won 20 to 13. So we needed all of those points. Uh, I, I'm really curious to hear what you think about the line play, because I know my thoughts and I'll share them after we get to you. But it sure seemed to me like there was a whole lot of to do surrounding Cody Whitehair and James Daniels switching back to the positions that they played in 2018. And yet the Bears offensive line still gave up five sacks. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, so sometimes I have takes that I, I'm so, like, strong on, and I try to check myself because I'm like, Brad, you've never been a coach of an NFL team, like, you, you know, you or or anything even close to that, you know, that area. But I just don't understand uh, when you have two guys, like I said to you again, pre-show, of the five offensive line positions, I worry on a week-to-week basis, I'll say this, I worry the least about left guard and center the first eight weeks of the season, I mean. Uh, so... I, there were growing pains. They were, they were not perfect, but I think they could have figured it out, and I do like James Daniels in space. I like when he gets out in space more. I, I think he could be like a Jason Kelsey-type center, uh, you know, the way the Eagles use him. Like, he, he's he's mobile, and, and he's nifty, and he's obviously young. Um, and, and, again, I don't know the issue if there was, just, you know, protection issues. Obviously, there. The, I mean, it went viral on Twitter, the whole – where, where uh, Daniels broke right on Fletcher Cox when there was like six rushers from the left side, and it was like, was that on Daniels? Was that on Trubisky? Um, so again, I don't know. I don't know the issue. But to me, it's like you played eight games. You made this switch. I think you should stick with it. You know, I mean, again, like to be to be cheeky, like, oh, after eight weeks trying something on offense that didn't work, like you're switching it up. Like maybe you should do that at other positions too. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, yeah. One thing that I thought was just hard to watch, if I could be honest, Brad, to piggyback off of what you're saying. Because in general, I agree with you. What really surprised me was that, so last week we saw Mitch Trubisky seem to struggle with calls at the line. Uh, in the very first half of the Philadelphia Eagles game, the Bears gave up, if I remember correctly, three sacks. Lester pinned two of them on Trubisky, partially because of this uh, line issue in his sack watch, uh, which brought Trubisky up to Eight sacks in, I believe, eight games at the time, which is insane, by the way. Um, But so, oh yeah, you're right. But (laughs) anyways, (laughs) woof. Uh, But so, I was hoping that at the very least, if we were going to switch Daniels and Whitehair back, because Bears fans, if I could be really honest, uh, I always think I've always thought Cody Whitehair made more sense as a guard. I believe he was drafted to be a guard and was pushed into center duty because the center got hurt that year, uh, though the center's name escapes me at the moment. Uh, But so when he and Daniels got the opportunity to switch, I figured that there would be some growing pains. But over this last week or over these last couple of weeks, it has seemed as if he's gotten better and better and better. Now, we put white hair in. Not only did we give up all these sacks, but that bad snapping issue from years and years ago totally came back. I mean, Whitehair had a couple of snaps that were downright nasty. One, in fact, that as we talked about before the show, killed the play. I mean, granted, Trubisky was able to pick it up, make some moves, turn it into a three-yard gain. But whatever that play was, it didn't happen uh, because of a nasty snap. And in the process... We gave up five sacks. Now, what's crazy to me about those, and we talked about this at length in pre-show, but I'll be as crisp as I can. Three of those sacks should have never happened. I don't know about the other two because I haven't watched all five of them over and over. But what I can say, Bears fans, that rollout sack that he took, the first one, I believe it was a second and six, rolls out to his left, looks deep, ends up not seeing what he wants, and he checks it down. And by checks it down, he I mean he pulls the ball back, and then he gets sacked. He's got to get that ball out of bounds. That is an unacceptable loss of three yards. It's an unacceptable sack to take. Uh, 
Then the fourth and fifth sack, when the Bears needed to get something going. First one on third and one. Uh, he he drops back. I believe it's a play action. He looks left. He starts to run right. And if you remember, he tucks the ball and he tries to run for the first down. Here's the problem. Allen Robinson's not only open early, but he's also open late because Allen Robinson's guy is the one who leaves to go hit Trubisky. And Trubisky doesn't pick his eyes up and just throw over the guy. And now you may say, well, Robert, you don't have the all 22. And I hear you. But the problem is David Montgomery's open, too. And, and that's at the same time as Allen Robinson. He's breaking left if Robinson's breaking right. So Trubisky seemed to have options on that fourth sack that the Bears, let's be honest, they kind of needed some offensive momentum, not only to just kill some clock down, but also to see if they could put the Lions away. Then the Lions got the ball back. Jeff Driscoll made the best throw of the day, uh, that 47-yard on-the-run uh, ball to Kenny Galladay. The Bears got the ball back. They're looking at third and 11 now, to just to skip ahead. And on that play... If you go back and you watch, what you'll see is a zero blitz that sees the entire right-hand side, everybody that isn't blitzing, vacates the area, and the only person in the center-right side of the football field is Ben Broniker. That's it. And he's released inside to help Trubisky because he sees the linebacker blitz. Trubisky doesn't throw it. He ends up sacked. It's becoming hard to watch, Brad, that while Trubisky's throwing seemed like it was relatively on target. I mean, yeah, he seemed like he threw a ball a little bit too high on third and uh, five, I believe, at the very start of the game to Taylor Gabriel, that that needs to be in a better place. But hey, quarterbacks miss throws. What's becoming a little bit wild to me is how often it feels as if Trubisky's not only missing post-snap reads uh, in terms of finding guys downfield, but how often he's making plays that should be neutral at worst in into negative plays that's killing the offense or at least that's what it looks like to me what do you see no 100 percent uh I, because there, there's, a, there's a thing that so there was a huge discussion you know I, i'm gonna bring some analytics into the fold not really even analytics but just some statistical stuff and i don't know how the viewer the the listeners feel about that but we'll, we'll go there but so no the, the original discussion honestly was how sometimes the interceptions aren't that bad because if you throw like a 50 yard bomb and they pick it off it's like eh, it's basically a punt whatever so they got in this whole conversation of like what do we look at from quarterbacks that we overvalue or undervalue and it's like taking sacks is terrible it, it can kill drives it can knock you out of field goal range you can fumble um i mean it, it's 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 awful and, and i think you need to look at it and, and as you mentioned there is there are sacks that are on the offensive line and there are sacks that are on the quarterback. So I'm not saying, you know, when, when you're David Carr for the Texans, the expansion team, and you're getting sacked 75 <laughs> times, like that's not on you. Like, I, and I understand that, but when you're, I mean, I honestly think like I, it almost might be like a, he's afraid to run directive. So he takes a sack instead, which doesn't even make sense intuitively, but like it, it's a safer tackle. I get like, I don't know. Like he doesn't throw right. Like we're saying he, we were talking before, too. You mentioned the, the play with Broniker. Yeah, there was trips right, and they all ran deep routes, and he was underneath. He's on, like, three of the sacks, too. I wouldn't have even liked for him to throw to a receiver. I just wanted him to throw the ball away. Like, I, he was outside of the tackle. But like, he, 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 there was no issue. It was not an intentional grounding. Like, just throw it out of bounds. And it's, like, like the simple – and then the, you mentioned – and it's all mental things. I mean, you mentioned the, the play with the Robinson-Montgomery. He rolls right. And the thing is, I actually watched, you had to pull up the video. I actually do think that corner is kind of hovering on Allen Robinson a little bit earlier. Like he's kind of out of the frame, but I think he's there. But what does happen is Trubisky keeps rolling right, right, guys? So there's he's rolling right, and A-Rob is rolling right as well. And he's outside, and Monty is kind of just like, like hovering a little bit inside of A-Rob. There's two defenders, and there's three of them. So regardless of who's covered early on, all of a sudden, half the field is just those five people, right? It's three bears, two lions, and no one else. He can keep it, or he can throw to two people. And he just, like, keeps it. The guy come, A guy comes after him, and he just takes a sack. It's like, it's math. Like, it's three on two. If a guy's coming at you, one of the two guys is open. So... I think that's been the problem with Trubisky, if I could be honest. We've talked about it, not you and me. I mean, well, we have, but tons of people have talked about it on this show. Tons of people have talked about it on other shows. Predetermination, that you're getting that issue not only in how he operates you know, while throwing the football, but I think we're seeing that in terms of how he deals with uh, decisions from behind the pocket or, or in the pocket, even though he you know, runs out of the pocket all the time, but blah, 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 I'll let other people talk about that. Uh, the issue is, like you're saying, he, he will run a draw and dump when he decides he needs to draw and dump. 
But when he decides he needs to run, he will rarely option into that draw and dump state. It's as if he makes his decision. And whenever he makes that decision, he's just got to he's got to carry it out. And I don't know what's what's killing me in terms of watching this offense, uh, Brad, is I watched this Bears offense for the entire first half, try to establish the ground game, and they, they couldn't, uh, partially because the team's not built for that. But to just call it what it is for a second, let's let's just assume that any play that doesn't work is Matt Nagy's fault when it comes to the run game. Let's just pin that whole thing on him for the sake of the chicken or the egg argument, right? Uh, well, in that first half, Matt Nagy stuck to the run as hard as he could. Ended up with, I believe, almost no gains in his first 10 running plays. Any gains that did come were off of one of those insane plays that you and I have seen, I personally think, way too many of, where Monty starts getting hit either behind the line or at the about yeah. the one, sheds not one but two or three tacklers, and churns out seven yards where there should be yep. zero. Uh, and in the, I believe the stat was in his first seven carries, he picked up 16 yards and it may have even been less than that. So obviously things weren't working. Then Trubisky and the Bears offense drive down on an 80 yard drive that if you're like me, Bears fans, you sat and watched and said, what in the world? Where was this? Uh, but the Bears turn it into a touchdown. Really nice throw to Ben Broniker. I got to tell you, Brad, this could be a whole separate podcast, but this whole offense desperately needs a good tight end or a quarterback that's going to use whatever tight end he has. These tight ends are open. Broniker was open. But again, we could talk about that another time. As soon as that happened and the Bears came out and they even scored another touchdown, and then they scored another touchdown. Suddenly, Tariq Cohen, who has been averaging 2.4 yards per carry, was popping out five and six yard runs. Suddenly, David Montgomery taking a run from the shotgun. There's nobody there. Picks up nine yards. The uh, suddenly Tariq Cohen catches a swing pass. You could call that Nagy scheming, Brad, but that's just good play. I mean, yeah. the whole offense was set up to where the bear or the Lions defense was sitting in the end zone, waiting for where Trubisky would throw it. He optioned it out to Cohen. That looked like 2018. That's the stuff we used to be patting Nagy on the back for, and now people want to kill him for, is that getting a guy in space and letting him make a play underneath. This looked like the Nagy offense, and when the Nagy offense was moving, we were running the ball way, way better. And so I, I got to wonder, I really got to wonder, what would this offense look like with a quarterback that was operating the offense the way that Trubisky was operating it in that three-touchdown stretch? What would, as Nagy says, what would this offense look like if they had a quarterback that was making less negative plays than it feels like Trubisky is? And we have talked this long, and we haven't even talked about, again, misplaced balls or some of the hospital balls. I know he threw a nasty, nasty football to both Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller. And I got to tell you, Brad, we can't afford to lose either of them. So those aren't exactly balls that you want to see. It is a little wild to me that Bears fans are more than willing to dive on a coach who, when his offense is rolling, and it hasn't rolled often in 2019, but when it is, it looks that good. Everything you keep hearing about from Nagy, about how we want to establish the run, this is how we want to do it. Well, I kind of got it today. It made a lot more sense to me. And I don't know, but it really looks to me as if Trubisky is at his, on his rougher plays. He is like you talk about with sacks. I think you bring up a great point. Those are huge negative plays, and those negative plays are killing this offense. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, the thing that, honestly, I'm a believer of that this isn't as established, but I honestly believe in you establish the pass to set up the run. I honestly think you stretch them out and you, you, you push things downfield and you spread them out and you force them to think drop back, drop back, coverage, coverage, and then you have light box counts, you know, six guys in the box, and then you're getting seven, eight yards of carry. And also another um, – this is my last analytical point. I want to start um, – Bring them in. So I, I think David Montgomery – so, you know, there's, there's yards after contact that, they, that, mm -hmm. that, that you know, sites will track. I think if you just look at David Montgomery's rushing yards for the year, it's the same stat. Like I don't think there's any deviation. Like, I think he gets hit at or behind the line of scrimmage on every single carry, and then whatever he gains after that is both his rushing yards and his yards after contact every carry. I mean, it really looks like that. One thing that's become one thing that's been 
pretty wild, at least from what I've seen, because this this I will talk about. If if there is one thing I want to separate for anybody who has listened this far in the podcast and said, I cannot believe that this guy is so prone Matt Nagy. I do want to mention one thing that I have started to get a little bit worried about. Matt Nagy as an offensive coordinator, I could make really strong arguments for. Guys seem like they're open. Uh, the running designs, sometimes they're a little bit weird. Sometimes they're working. Heck, I did an entire 33-minute video about that. But to save everybody the trouble, there are some things in his run scheme I don't like, but as a passing coordinator, I think Matt Nagy does a really solid job and leaves a lot to build on. Now, that said, as a head coach, Brad, I, I would love to hear what you think about a head coach that, from what I've seen, has shown a couple of red flags. The Bears have shown up in, these, in a couple of these games where the defense immediately gives up a long drive and the offense immediately goes three and out. You're seeing slow starts. We're seeing some weaker finishes. We're seeing some strange end game decisions. We're seeing players that honestly, they don't seem to be developing that much on the offense. And yeah, okay. I think that there is fair argument to say that some of this stuff all runs back towards the quarterback that maybe with a better quarterback, it would all be going better. And don't get me wrong. Let's leave that door open. But I also think it's hard to absolve Nagy of some of the things that if this was Mark Tressman or Lovey Smith, we'd say he just didn't have the guys ready to play. I mean, that it's hard to to not pin this sort of thing on Matt Nagy when in to start the game off, I believe the Bears were in a third and one situation. They immediately took a false start. I mean, different penalty moments that we keep having surface at the wrong time that if this was if there was any other argument going on and we were on any other side. We would be saying that's a coaching problem. What do you think? Yeah, no, 100%. I think something we talked about before that I've honestly thought about more as, as I'm sitting here, we were discussing there's kind of three aspects to being a head coach. Uh, you know, it's a bit of a CEO role and, and your, your functions are. So we were saying, all right, well, he's an offensive coach and he's a play caller. So if that is what you are, okay, so your job functions are your X's and O's, like you're, you're scheming the offense itself, then it's game management that is – you know, calling timeouts, keeping track of everything in terms of, right, you know, when you're calling timeouts, when you're, the, yeah, I don't know why I'm blanking. Everything that, that goes into game management. And then there's, like, locker room, like, like keeping the guys motivated, like, keeping everyone engaged, like, which, so anyways, I, you and I, I think, agree that Nagy, the first and, and the last there, you know, drawing things up and, and then just keeping, you know, vibes positive, I, I think he's stellar at both of those. But, the middle one, there, there's definitely deficiencies that are starting to become, I think, more and more concerning. Yeah, and no, I agree with you there. One thing that is pretty funny, I'll tell you about that, Brad. <laughs> I think this is hilarious, actually. Uh, there are a whole bunch of Bears fans that keep saying and they keep comparing Matt Nagy to Andy Reid. Ah, man, what if he was more like Andy Reid? What if our offense was more like Andy Reid? What if, what if, what if? I think it's hilarious because if that's the case, because I, I agree with you, and Nagy gets a quarterback that he can work with. Let's pretend for a second he got 2017 Alex Smith and was able to make this offense go. I think we would be seeing an almost carbon copy of Andy Reid in the Chicago Bears yep. uh, head coaching position. I mean, everything from very weird game management at the, and, uh, yep. and the ability to make almost any lead evaporate for you or against you uh, seems to seems to be who we have as our head coach, that the players love him that he works really hard, that schematically speaking, he's very solid on offense, and in fact, maybe even a little bit ahead of the game, but that that late game management could haunt him throughout his entire tenure in Chicago. It's like, I, yeah, it's like fourth fourth down, like, yeah, I had like a brain like freeze. It's like fourth down decisions too, like if it's fourth and two on the opponent's like 40, like he needs to be going forward, like, like things like that, that it's just, he's making some questionable, you know, or, and then I think it's game flow, like, a lot of those, I, I remember I asked uh, Dan Orlovsky and, and Sage Rosenfels if they would elaborate because they both were saying, like, there's no rhythm and no just, like, flow to his offense. And I was kind of like, can you elaborate on that further? And it does kind of, I don't know, I've been trying to look for it. I, I guess I don't, I, again, I don't know what to look for as much as those guys do. But um, right. it, there is a bit of a randomness to it. Like, you're kind of, there is a, there is a bit of a, like, like, you know, when the thing like we discussed, when he when things are working, they're working great and he he's in rhythm. But when like, when a couple things go wrong, like it becomes very choppy and just very like disjointed almost. And it's when it's working, it's 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 sweet music. But, you know. 
Oh yeah. And that's one thing that I'm, I'm excited to tell you about this. Cause I don't know if I've really talked about this at all. So I was talking to Bobby Peters and if, and for anybody who doesn't know who Bobby Peters is, he literally wrote a book on the bears offense uh, from 2018. He went in, he studied it. He learned it as well as he could so that he could explain to me some of the finer X's and O's of what the bears are doing. And one thing he talked about is that Matt Nagy as inexperienced a play caller as he is really does need time to grow into the role. He needs to develop just like any other player. And especially given the way that his offense is currently playing, that he can't run his quarterback focused West coast style Nagy blend. He's already a fish out of water calling play that he just doesn't really understand this could be a this could this uh comparison i'm about to make go wide right but for any of the listeners that play madden or any similar football video game it'd be like if i took whatever playbook that you commonly play with and handed you another one the plays are similar the attitudes are often a little bit different and in that you're not going to be near as confident as you would be if you were using the playbook that you usually used. That in third and one, for instance, one of Nagy, one of my favorite plays that I've just about seen Nagy call this season, I got to tell you, Brad, and it's a simple one, but I loved it, was on third and one, he lines Patterson back up in that like long, long, uh, Patterson's way back in a single back set with a long, long wing of blockers in front of him. And I, I just about put my hands on my face. I thought, like, Bears fans are going to kill him. This isn't going to work. This is going to make defending Nagy that much harder. And then we snapped a QB sneak. I thought that was great. <laughs> I thought that was such a simple wrinkle that all the attention went on Cordero Patterson, who, for those of you who know him, Kari Thompson, I would love to quote the guy here, says probably the worst flaw Matt Nagy has is that he does not know how to use Cordero Patterson in a non-obvious way. And so this yeah. was that moment where he lined Patterson back up and uh, Patterson's sitting back there and it's like, oh, goodness, we all know what's coming. But we didn't. And that was neat. Uh, but in all of this, I just get the impression that Matt Nagy isn't quite getting to run the offense that he wants to. And if he is, he still needs practice. And I'm willing to give him a little bit more time because obviously the guy's on, I think, a five-year contract. So let's be real, Bears fans. He's not going anywhere. But in that, I'm willing to give him a little bit of time so that he can try to take some of the randomness and turn it into clear thinking but also i'm trying to be wary of the fact that this team is pushing matt Nagy outside of his offensive philosophy matt Nagy is not a single eye guy he's not a split off or an offset eye quarter or a play caller he's not somebody who's scheming a downhill running attack he wants to go out of the shotgun he wants to call like 65 more percent of his plays out of the shotgun he wants his quarterback to dictate everything based on formations really really high thinking offense and i mean i don't think it's hard to say right now that mitch trubisky isn't really letting him do that and so i am really curious to see how this whole team is going to continue on through the rest of the year how many wins they're going to be able to scrounge out what it's going to look like in week 15 or 16 whatever it is against like the chiefs or something like that where Maybe we'll have seen Matt Nagy grow more comfortable experimenting with different styles. Maybe, just maybe, this season will teach him how to better run the ball in 2020 when he does have a quarterback that can make those calls. Because I'll tell you what, J.P. Holtz has really started to impress me. Now, that was a lot of thoughts. And so I, I'd love yeah. to get what you're I thinking, would take Brad. A more general, no, yeah, here, I would take a more general kind of 30,000-foot view yeah, I mean, I think he's going through some obvious sophomore slump or, or growing pains or whatever. Um, we were just talking about the three three main job functions, but you know, he he only called plays as an OC in like five or six games last year, or you know, twenty seventeen with the Chiefs, um, and then assumed both of those responsibilities, calling plays and being the head coach of the team. So, I mean, I think I mentioned this is kind of a, could also be a whole separate podcast, but. Last year was such an overachievement that I think that we're like, we maybe almost don't realize how high of a pedestal we have, like some of the people on. I mean, this guy came in here and as a first year head coach won 12 games and the offense wasn't perfect, but I mean, there was gimmicks when you needed them and, and, and things were flowing with a clear, you know, not elite operator. So, I mean, I think it's, yeah, like he's just figuring things out, like you said. And I mean, we'll, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, definitely we will see once. There is a above average, you know, I, I say when, hopefully it's not an if, hopefully it's a when, 
when there's an above average operator, what things look like. And then I think it's fair to, and to, and to be fair, I mean, the best coaches like an Andy Reid can get Matt Moore to almost beat the Packers and Vikings in our division. I mean, they barely lost to the Packers. They were in a shootout and then they beat the Vikings. So, and I mean, I, I think it is fair to say, I want him to still finish like 21st, 22nd in offense and be like, okay, like he's not near the bottom of the entire league. Um, but yeah, I, I will we'll judge him further when when you know the main the main position is is fixed. Overall, basically, I would love to see so analysts like us. I know that we've all kind of come to the agreement that the Bears season is probably in terms of a playoff contention not happening. Uh, and or the word was over, but you get the idea. <laughs> Sad. Uh, not trying to bury the Bears after a win. But the point is, is that if there's one thing that I want to see, I do want to see player development. And I don't want to see the wholesale fire sale player development. You do that when you're an eight loss team, in my opinion. Like you can't you can't do the analytical thing and just start playing Riley, Riley Ridley, playing Duke Shelley right, over right. over guys that have earned their playing time just because you are a five loss team. I mean, it is technically possible to make the playoffs as a five-loss yeah, team. Yeah, no, you're right. You're very it's right. Just, it's just really unlikely. So you can't just sell the team. What I would like to see, this is something that going forward, looking forward, I would love to see the Bears not only score more points against teams that aren't starting Jeff Driscoll, but I would love to see uh, a little bit more development or development or development opportunities for guys like Anthony Miller, uh, for guys even like Allen Robinson, who looks like a flat out dominator. Uh, I love yeah. the way he's playing football and especially setting things up for David Montgomery. One player that I Bears fans am actually working on a bit of a study. Hopefully I'll have it out this week. Um, but I have started looking into what's gone on with Tariq Cohen. And to give you a bit of a sneak preview, I think it's really interesting because I don't think that there's a player you can watch that better exemplifies how the offense is doing moment to moment. Tariq Cohen needs space. Not only does he need space, but he needs he needs to be limited in terms of how many guys he's engaging at once. I got to tell you all, uh, while I know plenty of people want to compare somebody like Tariq Cohen to a guy like Barry Sanders, he cannot take on three, four, five tacklers and be expected to win he just can't but in a one-on-one -on -one, he's exactly who you want there are tons of guys in the nfl that are exactly like that and as we saw in that middle part of the game Tariq cohen caught his swing pass turned it into a 10-yard gain he started running the ball and he ran the ball way more effectively than he does he has all season i believe that when you watch Tariq cohen we'll get to see whether this offense is you know finding any rhythm i mean you'll know when they're getting rhythm but Tariq cohen's the one who stands the most to gain and i'd love to see guys like him montgomery anthony miller basically any of the younger guys that we think are going to be a core part of this team going forward get a shot and if trubisky is going to be the guy because i'm not ryan pace neither are you brad and as much as we would say i can't wait to see when somebody else is playing Maybe they're going to stick with Trubisky. If that's the case, I want to see him throw to the tight ends more. It's it's getting exhausting watching the tight ends not get used. And don't get me wrong. That's not me saying that Adam Shaheen, who got, you know, made inactive today after a couple of weeks, two weeks of just terrible, terrible performing. Or Trey Burton, you know, superstar, top five paid tight end, has been utterly invisible. It's not to say they're any good, but it is to say that this offense is built around that tight end taking advantage of linebackers. And yeah, I mean, I believe even Ben Broniker can do that. So I'd love to see them play weirdly enough because i know a lot of people want to get away from quote unquote naggy ball i'd love to see a little bit more of it a full lean into it and i know that that's what naggy's been trying to do but over the course of this season i just don't want to see the seams of this team unravel as we just try to scrape out whatever wins possible but hey either way i just want to see this team play hard and start hard finish hard do their best i don't know football things Football things, yeah, just just finish strong and, and keep the momentum going. Now, I mean, I hear. I mean, I also just to touch on. I don't know we're wrapping up. Just to touch on your your overarching point though about the tight. I mean, the tight end position is again. This is this is us making excuses. I'm not trying to say the offense should work around it, and if they had them, they'd be better. The tight end position is the second biggest disappointment. I mean, you 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 had to think. I think they also thought they were going to get like from Burton and Shaheen, but the development of Shaheen once he got healthy. And then with Burton, you know, with the, with the free agency signing, they obviously love what they saw. I really think they were like, all right, we're going to be a 12 personnel, like, like do shift some stuff around, be funky, but have two tight ends going out, you know, running and just being like, and it just never panned out. So then you had to shift and then it's like, 
a ton of 11 personnel, a ton of three wide receiver sets, like, plus Cohen becomes a receiver. Like, it just, it all, and like, it all got out of whack. And everything just kind of felt like, yeah, I, I mean, the tight end position has been a struggle. Yeah, and I would, yeah, Broniker, no, Broniker should stay ahead of Shaheen. And, I mean, Burton got hurt today. I don't know if he stayed out of the game, but I know he was out for, like, a while. I'm not sure if he came back. Um Honestly, like I know, uh, you know who is it? Dan loves Jesper Horstead. I don't. Again, I don't know well enough, but I'm I'm with you. You, are, you definitely cannot start playing like a bunch of <clears throat> backups all over the place. There, it's a it's a near 500 team with a bunch of veterans that like. Yeah. You, you never know when guys get hurt. You know who knows? Aaron Rodgers could break his leg tomorrow. Like you, you can't stop playing guys. Um, Not to mention, who knows? To your exact point, I mean, like I don't think this is going to happen, Bears fans. We just barely beat Jeff Driscoll. So uh, yeah. don't get your don't get your sights too high. But I mean, what if the Bears win eight games in a row uh, or seven? And it again, not going to happen or seven. No, 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 let me but, check. Let me check. Or, that. Yeah. Just seven. Just seven, again, eight. again, not going to happen. But but what if they did? They'd be in the playoffs. And so to your point, you can't just, you know, empty the airlock and just throw everybody out. But at this point, so I just looked up the stats. We are now through uh, nine football games, Brad. And what if I told you that neither top five tight end Trey Burton nor second over or second round pick Adam Shaheen have broken a hundred yards this season? That's incredible. Uh, I mean, we're looking incredible. at. Trey Burton, 14 catches, 84 yards. Uh, Adam Shaheen, nine catches, 74 yards. But I can tell you both of them have had back-breaking drops at different points this season. So that's fun. Uh, Burton today, Burton today like jumped out of bounds for unnecess- <laughs> unnecessarily so. It was crazy. I was like, what are you doing? If there's, if there's one move that I would make, uh, and so look, the crazy part of me might consider making a move to Chase Daniel, but Bears fans, I'm getting – mostly kidding i'm mostly kidding there uh <laughs> the, the move the move that i would make tomorrow is i would play broniker at you and i would play jp holtz at y for like the rest of the season yeah, i mean there, I there's there's a degree of jp holtz is young broniker's fairly young he's always been known to be athletic i mean the tight ends have just been so bad this season that it's yeah. it, there's almost broniker's an element of you can't get worse. broniker's made good catches he made a great catch last year from Trubisky, it was one of Trubisky's best throws. It's the famous play where he scrambled out to the right and was running around, and then kind of threw up a little bit of a prayer, and Broniker pulled it down. Like they have a connection. He, he, I mean, he made a good catch today, a great catch today. No, you like it's it's almost like it's an account. Of, this is kind of the flip side of like just go developmental. It's almost like you also owe accountability and just owe like right. if you step up and play well, and yeah, are you not the prototype, or were you what undrafted versus second round pick? Like. We don't care anymore because you're outperforming that guy, and then it's, it's that simple. Uh, I mean, Burton, I think, will continue to earn his spot in the lineup if he's healthy, but it just because, I mean, the money is still crazy. But, uh, I mean, I think when he, if he is out, you, you play other guys, and I think even if he is in, you, you still split his snaps, and he's playing like 30% of snaps instead of like 70. Right. And I'm right about to let you go here because we are running out of time. But I will ask one thing. While I do have our resident cap expert in in house, I gotta ask. Okay, so the Bears had a whole. There was a whole lot of thinking that coming into this season that Trubisky was going to play well, and uh, obviously that didn't happen. But if there's one silver lining to Trubisky not playing well, just one. It's that we probably don't have a $35 million contract hitting the books uh, in, in, what is that, 2021, 2022? Uh, so with the Bears cap situation being as it is, with Leonard Floyd, as we've kind of talked about, probably pricing himself out of Chicago, and with the guy I'm about to talk about, but, uh Suffering an arm injury that I've heard everything from sprain to broken arm, like I've heard a lot of things, would you... I'm putting you on the spot for this, and I know that, so I'm trying to give you time because so, I'm sure you know the question no, I'm going to ask fine. you. No, you're fine. You're fine. Would you sign Danny Trevathan? So this is a fa- this is like my favorite question right now because I one of my worst calls of my life, and I like to check myself, like I've said a couple times now, was like two. It was two years ago now, and people forget because it's kind of you know you have short term memory. But Trevathan, I think, got hurt in both of the first two years he was in Chicago and missed like significant time. And then also there was the suspension, which I don't fault him for really, but you know he still missed like more games because of that. So, and, and he was coming, and I was like, you know, he's he's X years old. He's they're paying him, they're paying him Y. Like, is he this good? Whatever. 
And I was like, you know, he might get cut. It was one of the, it was this going into camp, I want to say two seasons ago. So obviously extremely wrong, like crazy wrong on that one. Uh, or maybe I said he was going to get cut coming into 2018. That's probably what it was. It wasn't, it wasn't that long ago. Anyways, since that time, he's been, I mean, remarkable. I mean, he's, he's just consistent. He's clearly a leader. I mean, he's just an important player. I mean, plain and simple. Like, I, I don't think what he does, I do think is like physically replaceable. Like, like, you know, he's not, you know, like, but there's other bodies that can do, but, but he's a great, great guy and it seems like an important guy um i mean first of all the video i saw his arm is just destroyed like his elbow like his arm like went the wrong direction like it was not it was not like a sprain or anything like this like he's out like i promise you he's out for a while um i think you tried to i the and the, the position was now like he was he's making seven million this year um he is still a bit of an older guy like i want to say he's 30 31 i can pull it up um and has had injuries. He's now had a great stretch. Well, I mean, you know, knock on wood, and it's unfortunate it happened today, but he had gone like two years without getting hurt, which was great. Um, you know, no concussions, anything like that. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, if he's making, so he's making 7.6 this year. I mean, you have to start below that, right? I think you go like a two, and he's 29 years old. He's not old, but I still think you try to do like a two year, like 10, 11 million dollar deal. Like, I don't think they can't afford to do like to like pay them like pay the man and i think he could get that somewhere um i do i mean he's a good player he's a cerebral guy and he's obviously like i said all the you know all the intangibles so and it's probably the thing that i start to look at when you know when people consider would he bounce elsewhere like yes this team is good and i and i think coming into this year a lot of guys would tell me like yeah but you can buy in for a super bowl run and it's like all right well you know ne- you never know about that um but, you know, it's well, for me, you know, looking at it kind of from the cap and like agent side that I am, his next contract will be his last significant contract. Like mm-hmm. when you're signing a deal at 30 at inside linebacker, like you're not going to sign another contract in three years. that's going to be like a big contract. Like, that's not going to happen. So like, he, you know, he might he might come back for a hometown discount. Um, I, I could see it. He seems to love it here. Um, but basically what I'm saying is they can pay him not. But they. Probably shouldn't pay him what his actual market value is. Basically, is what I'm saying. Makes sense to me. I mean, uh, I I agree with you. I think if the Bears do want to set up now, look, I'll be the first to tell you. You and I have kind of talked about this. Every single team, especially rebuilding teams, want to give the impression that hey, you stay here, you play well, we're gonna pay you a lot of money, and that stops at some point. You can't do that forever. You just yeah. run out of money. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I, I'm with you. The more that I watch Trevathan's film, the more it feels as if he does all those little things that you're asking, you're begging guys to do. Uh, and I do think that he's one of those people, him and basically Keem Hicks, are those two kinds of guys that you say, that guy, if we could get 11 of those, we would be a killer defense. Uh, and so with that in mind, I think you try to pay him. Uh, I think that the deal that you talked about sounds great, especially because, and I'll say something that I know a lot of uh, Bears fans have kind of thought about, but you know, maybe we really need to hammer this point home. I'm not 100% certain, given his, let's say, non-linear development path this year, Roquan Smith is ready to take over as linebacker one next season. I'm just not 100% certain. And so if he's not, and that's a big if, because, you know, we're not in the locker room, Danny Trevathan can handle it, and he can handle it really well. And so... I'm curious to see what's going to happen next uh, this next week. Looking forward to the Rams game because with Nick Kwiatkowski in, I do see things sort of similar to the Chase Daniel situation in that Chase Daniel plays his best games in relief. And he does or it's not to say that he plays badly when he's the named starter, because, you know, in the in his Bears career, he's put up 21 and 28 points uh, as you know, as a starter. So that's you know, we'd take that. <laughs> Let's be really, really honest. But. I do think that Kwiatkowski's uh, issues get a little bit hidden when it's not actually the named starter in an offensive game plan. But, hey, who knows? Maybe he's going to come out next week and just ball out. (laughs) Yeah, you never know. Anyways, uh, thank you so much for coming on, Brad. Thanks for hanging with me for, well, the whole hour. Uh, So please feel free to let the listeners know. Hey, Brad, where can they find you? Yeah, uh, follow me on Twitter at BradOTC. Uh, I write for OverTheCap.com. I do research and write right there. It's anything 
salary cap or NFL contract related. Uh, and then I also write for the Blitznet, uh, at the Blitznet on Twitter as well. It's a Chicago Bears uh, website, so uh, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much for coming on, Brad. Happy to have you. Thank you for having me on. I'm glad episode one and, and you're still running at episode 40, haven't been canceled. So I'm glad I could you know come full circle. Book all about for episode 80, canceled. right? Hey, we'll do it. Locked we'll in. absolutely do it. And the, and the centennial, you know, when that comes around eventually. There, there you go. And that's all I got for you today, Bears fans. Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to comment below on whatever you're listening to or on the Windy City Gridiron article itself, what you agreed with, what you didn't agree with, and what you generally thought about today's Bears game. If you like what I have to say, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z. And be on the lookout either on Windy City Gridiron itself or on YouTube later this week week for a Tariq Cohen breakdown that I'm hoping to get put together by this week's end. We'll see, but either way, Bears fans, thank you so much for listening, and until next time, bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me.